you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL Podcast. Can't stop eating baked goods. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hens, coming to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, what is up, boys? What is happening? Another big Thursday. What's going on? Lots to get to today. Gotta love week two. (laughs) Gotta love week two. Uh, There's nothing better. And I... You know, I am someone who can get caught up in week one just like everybody else. But it's important to keep some, you know, distance and understand that it's a long season. So anything that went terribly Mm. in week one doesn't mean that the season's over because everything could change. All the depressing thoughts you've had about your favorite team over the past five days, that could all just disappear with one good performance over three hours on Sunday. I mean, I'd throw this out, too, that – there is another scenario where the depressing thoughts attached to your team become <laughs> deeper and more depressing. I mean, you, you fall into that zero and two trap, and history tells you you're in you're in hot water, especially if you're zero and two because you're dysfunctional. So you know, mm. there's both sides of the coin here. Are you talking about the Browns this is, again? This is Mark? the week you attack, Dan. This is where you attack. If you're if you're into the whole. Uh you know, desert situation early in the year. There's a lot of like preconceptions people went into with the year. And then you saw week one and people overreact. You know, things are a little like loosey goosey in weeks one, two, three. That's the time to attack. Well, there you go. I mean, Greg, you have a problem. I think it's very clear at this point. I hope it's not going to take down your whole family because you've seen it happen in the past. And it's sad. 
I work for the NFL. They they take care of the solution. You know, I am a, a law-abiding NFL employee. I work for the NFL. They take care of the solution. I, that is that is. I'm murky saying they best. make the rules that I can't get no. into it. I can just talk about it, and uh, that actually helps my Sundays um, be a lot more Good. relaxed and there, easy. It's beautiful. There are a series of waivers that we sign to do the jobs that we do in regards to the desert. I know that Dan and I sign them manually. I have no. There is no proof that Greg has ever put his <laughs> name on these do. documents. You get those emails. If you forget, of course they do. All right. As we do uh, every Thursday, it is our spin through the week ahead uh, over the weekend on Thursday nights. We release our Thursday night football recap of Browns Bengals. Uh, but today we will spin through every game to be played on Sunday and Monday. And as always, we do it snake style. Uh, we go one, two, three, three, two, one. One, two, three. That's how Snake works. And Mark, good news for you, buddy. You have drawn the first pick in the Week 2 2020 player draft. Well, you know, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And, you know, in in years past, I like to do weird things with the first pick that throw everyone kind of off their balance. Not this time around. I'm going with what I think is the best game on the board. It is New England at Seattle. Let's not call it something else. This is I don't see that I don't get this Super Bowl rematch thing with so many you know so many characters in other places. Tom Brady's not there, others included, Marshawn Lynch. But here's the matchup I love. Coming out of week one, where Cam Newton and the New England Patriots attacked a Dolphins team correctly on the ground, uh, because that's what the Dolphins were ripe that's how they were ripe to be dealt with. Very different situation here with Seattle. You've got Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams last week, who was an absolute terror, throwing Todd Gurley around, doing all sorts of things, Jamal Adams types things that we've seen in the past. I love the matchup of Jamal Adams versus Cam Newton, and how will the Patriots have to counteract that and maybe show us some things they didn't show us last week on offense? Right. I think uh, you're going to have to expand the passing game if you're the Patriots as the season goes along. But I, I think they look at this matchup and they think we got a mismatch against the Seahawks defensive line. I mean, the Patriots know their strengths. It's their offensive line. It's the amount of diversity they could put into the running game, like right off the bat. That's an impressive job of coaching. It's an impressive job of quarterbacking by Cam Newton that he could handle that much. And I think you look at Seattle, and they kind of got handled by Atlanta up front on both sides of the ball, really. I mean, they they have so many strengths, but one of them is not the defensive line. So I I don't know if the Patriots are really going to be ready to start airing it out. I I think it's going to be ground game or bust still with this team. I'm really interested to see how Cam Newton is used in this game. I, the, the stat that jumped out to me the most of, out of every stat uh, coming out of week one was that his 15 carries were the most he's ever had in his career in a game that didn't go to overtime, and that includes <laughs> the salad days in Carolina. So now we're going to see uh, if that is indeed how he is going to be used. And on the other side, it's just a great quarterback matchup because Russell Wilson and the whole narrative of let Russ cook – is this going to continue now? Is he going to be allowed to air the ball out? And it's going to be difficult against the New England secondary, which uh, is still very good with one of the best corners in the league in Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, right. Totally yeah, I- different situation than dealing with a pretty identity-free Falcons defense I think they are. I mean, from Brian Schottenheimer to Pete Carroll, they've kind of voiced that this is what they want to do. You've got DK Metcalf. You've got Tyler Lockett. Why not? I think this is a new mm-hmm. version of the Seahawks. Right, but... 
at some point, the Patriots are just going to be inviting Chris Carson and the Seahawks to run. They're going to be putting so many defensive backs on the field. And Seattle, if you beg Brian Schottenheimer to run the ball, I think you're going to run the ball. I think you want to do that against the Patriots because the strength is in the secondary. But but you're right, Mark, that the sea change was not just like a narrative. I mean, they they got a huge pass interference because they let Russ throw the ball on third and twenty three. They would net. <laughs> yeah, how many times have you seen Pete Carroll run the ball for four yards on third and twenty three? They scored a touchdown on uh, fourth and five. This might even be it. What timing we got here? Uh, we also saw them throw the ball up thirteen points on third down, like late in the game. That all that stuff. I never seen it with Pete Carroll. If they did that in the Super Bowl a little more consistently, they would have won it. And this is a revenge game because that's the most painful loss in Super Bowl history, Dan. You loved it being there that night. Uh sure. I, I don't you know, that's the past, just like the Patriots are the past when you talk about the great teams in the NFL. I and I thought that the Patriots a great start to the season, great narrative to spin that Cam is Cam again and all that. But I'd be curious, Greg, as someone who follows the Patriots very closely, what you thought about the rest of the offense. I wouldn't say like maybe it got a little overlooked. It wasn't a dominating effort by any stretch. Uh what did you think about the rest of the offense outside of Cam? Well, there wasn't much. I mean Edelman needs to be healthy. He's not. Nikhil Harry made a couple catches. If if I could live with myself, I would lock up the Seahawks in this game because I think the Patriots have a ways to go before they totally develop. Unlike Mark, I'm never going to be you know picking against my own team, so I'm not going to do that. But I think this game's a little too early in the season for the Patriots to be ready to go on the road and win a game. One little nugget in this game last week with with New England and Miami, they ran the Patriots ran the slowest offense in the league. I mean, it's not a surprise because you're using your quarterback on the ground the whole time. But one way to diffuse, you know, this let Russ cook business is you don't let him in the kitchen. You gotta you got you you continue just to run the ball nonstop and keep. You know, last week was a track was a track meet. The Falcons in Seattle. I think this could take on a different form and force the Seattle Seahawks to do something a little bit different. Mm, sounds like a lot of fun. Good pick, Mark. Nice, solid number one overall draft pick. And uh, now it comes to me with the number two pick. Oh, this is so hard. I always struggle with this. But I will pick the Baltimore Ravens at Houston Texans with the second overall pick. Mm. I, you know, I am a little bit scared for the rest of the NFL because what we saw from Lamar Jackson against the Browns, the one, the only facet you could pick apart a little bit with Jackson last year was some of his downfield throwing accuracy where passes over 10 yards, he completed less than 50%. That was not a problem (laughs) against the Browns. In fact, he was pretty (laughs) much locked in everything that he threw, found a receiver and he was hitting guys in stride. And, and uh, if he uh, makes that part of his game even better, I mean, that, that is a scary thought. So you get to see uh, how he looks in week two, against the Texans defense that is not dominant by any stretch. Uh, But it's also just a great quarterback matchup because Deshaun Watson, uh, I said it on our podcast earlier this week, the Around the NFL podcast, check it out four times a week, that I hate when teams get sent, it was like a, it's like a lamb to slaughter that Thursday night football game in someone else's building that's the defending champion. Now let's see where the Texans and Deshaun Watson are, are, are at. It's a great QB matchup, and I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, this is a tough week to see where they're at, too, because they're, they're playing maybe the scariest team in the league. You're right. I mean, that was as good a day throwing as Lamar Jackson had, and I think it's a way that the Ravens 
are now taking what the defense gives them, and teams are going to try to stop the run. And that this Texans defense, I think they're going to give a lot. I mean, they got these two inside linebackers that are not good in coverage that get paid huge money. And who who do the Ravens pick on more than linebackers? It's with their running backs. It's with their tight ends. I just can't see a scenario where the Ravens aren't going up and down the field like they did when they dropped 41 on this Texans team last year. Right. That game was 41-7. to So it wasn't as if, you know, the Texans offense got going either. I think the Texans offense, you know, with Deshaun Watson, there's always hope. But to your point on Lamar Jackson, Cleveland tried to pressure him. They let him sit in the pocket. They let they they went all over the place with him on play action. The results were the same no matter what they did against the Ravens. They just imposed their will. They used Mark Andrews at tight end more than they have before. I think that's a bad scenario for the Texans. And I think this is a team, the Ravens, that says, we don't care about your fantasy football squad at all. We're going to use J.K. Dobbins near the end zone. We're going to use Mark Ingram. They have so many different pieces, and they're so confident in what they're doing that, you know, you look at that game last year, and maybe it doesn't carry over 41-7. to I don't know. I mean, what's so different about this Ravens team? They seem just more agitated and more, you know, revenge seeking than before to erase the past two Januaries and say we are the AFC's best team. Come at us. But to my uh, to my point, I was talking about earlier the week one. Sometimes we get a little yeah. bit too wrapped up, and the and the Browns did not show up to play. You know better than anyone, Mark, in that game. So the Ravens looked like they were they were the greatest team of all time. I'm not saying the Texans are an amazing team either, but I think they're going to pose a bigger challenge. Here's a great stat from NFL Media Research. Lamar Jackson has 25 uh, t- passing touchdowns and just one pick over his last eight regular season games. Oh, I mean, that, wow. what? I mean, this guy is out of control. That's why he's the defending MVP. I mean, I would lock this game up again if I could look in the mirror for it. But your boys in in Texas, uh, you know, you love Billy O'Brien. You always got a soft spot for him, Dan. But I just don't see it. And again, I know it's week one. But man, that offensive line, which made a lot of progress uh, in 2019, was about the worst offensive line in the league in the opener. And that's a problem. The Ravens are going to test your communication. They're going to send a lot of blitzes. I hope I'm wrong because I want to watch a a fun game when it's Watson versus Lamar. I like this dynamic of Greg telling us that he might lock up every single game that we go through. Well, I would. Uh, You You know, know, there's all these, you know, honkers who are saying, oh, you know, you can't lock it up. Are you looking in the mirror? So this time, you know, I I think people would get on me with this one. I'm just letting people know where I stand. Greg, you're up. I am going to draft the Falcons and the Cowboys. I feel good about this game because, uh, to me, teams that are 0-1 but actually have a chance to matter, that's what week two matters more for them than anyone. And and I start this game thinking about draft day. Go back to April when the pandemic was just starting and the Falcons reached for cornerback A.J. Terrell in the first round, allowing the Cowboys to take CeeDee Lamb one pick later. And, you know, fast forward to uh, week one, and A.J. Terrell was struggling. I mean, this secondary was bad overall, but Terrell especially got picked on by Russell Wilson. And now this Falcons defense and the secondary especially, which just doesn't, doesn't look great, has to go up against one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver tandems in the league. And C.D. Lamb is out there making plays right off the bat. Could be big uh, regret city for Thomas Dimitrov right off the bat. Yeah, I think it, I mean, I think it is. And it's the kind of thing that gets on, you know, Falcons fans' radars right away. And uh, they'll cling to it because, you know, the defense in Atlanta. You know, if someone told me last week that Matt Ryan was going to throw for 450 yards, multiple touchdowns, connect with his, his top three wideouts for nine cast, catches apiece, 
and they were going to get flamed by the Seahawks. That tells you a lot about Atlanta's defense. Uh, the one thing I am a little nervous about with Dallas, though, they rated as the third worst offensive line in the league last week by PFF. And to me, it's, you know, they're mm. banged up. Um, I think we like to think of Dallas as having this stalwart front five. It's just not the case right now. They're going to have to survive without that. But the weapons, and tell me that Zeke Elliott is not running as well as you've ever seen. Uh, that guy is on my fantasy team. I think that makes me look very smart on a week-to-week basis, Dan. So I'm flying with that. Yeah, he looked good. I the, the same thought went through my mind as I was watching him on Sunday night, that it wasn't a monster game from him, but he just seemed to be moving fast. And he's just like, that guy could be on my team any day. The, the tattoo on the stomach, the feed me tattoo. I know that's his Gross. bit, but that feels, you know, a little, a little beyond the pale for me. His mom even chimed in on Twitter that she was upset about it. But listen, it's his body. <laughs> it's his right. Um, I am really high on the Cowboys in this game. Uh, I, and because what happened on Sunday night, the way the offense uh, was really shut down uh, by Los Angeles, and also because I don't think the Falcons have any identity on defense. And mm. this is a, a get-right game for the Cowboys. This is a game where they're going to score a lot of points. And this is what the Cowboys do. They build up expectations. They fall on their face. Everybody gets out on them. Then they deliver a monster game. People get back on the bus. Then they fall off again. I mean, it's uh, over and over. But this is the week where they put up 30-plus points. The Falcons can't keep up on the road. And that's why I'm locking it up. I'm locking up the Cowboys oh. here. Oh, I like it. Uh, Dottie was coming there. Take this game and and do it with ease. I think this is a double digit mm. win for Dallas. My one, wow. I, you, I, you don't have Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, Sean Lee is out. I mean, your linebacking core is an issue. And I mean, the one thing Atlanta can do is they can go up and down the field and score points themselves. So I could see this being a juicy shootout. I mean, your lock I think is a solid one, Dan. But it might take you down to the bitter end to find out if you if you prevail I, I get what you're saying there, I, mark i but i i think that they certain weeks the cowboys offense which i'm still bullish about even if the offensive line struggled in week one will be able to just run away from their problems just by scoring a ton of points and i think this will be one of those weeks mm, i'm going against you dan i got those picks up on nfl.com i mm. like a little road upset shootout don't feel too strong but if i'm gonna pick a close game you might as well make it fun and I liked what I saw out of the Falcons' offense. I mean, I know that the matchup was potentially favorable against that Seahawks defensive line, but they really looked like a good offensive line. They went 0 for 4 on fourth down, or else the Falcons, I think, could have put up about 35, 40 points. And Mark, you said it. Like, when the, the Cowboys lose players, they're thin. I mean, you're suddenly starting Joe Thomas. You know, not the old Browns, Mark, uh, at, no. you know, at linebacker. <laughs> you're, you're suddenly starting Terrence Steele at, you know, right tackle. Uh, you're starting Dalton Schultz at tight end. So it's like you're a making up these up. names. And I think this Falcons team got to be a little frisky. They're going to be frisky this year. All right. Let's uh, keep moving. Uh, Greg, you know how it works. It snakes back to you. Your draft pick. And yet, and yet I'm somehow not really that prepared for the moment. Let's take uh, the primetime game. Let's go Saints. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders opening the new stadium. Okay. Uh, this this should be pretty fun. I But I'm starting thinking about the Saints after being on national TV a week ago. They're going to be again. And I, I think this is a get-right game for them, regardless of Michael Thomas. This Vegas Raiders defense, to me, is the type that Sean Payton and Drew Brees can just beat from the neck up. They're just going to dice you. They're going to slice you. They're going to find seven-yard openings and just move the ball up and down the field because I was hoping maybe to see some better um, 
you know, pass rush and linebacker play from the Raiders. I didn't see it. I mean, they did not play good defense a week ago. And it's one game where I think kind of the institutional knowledge of the Saints team is at least going to be able to score enough points to, to win this game in Vegas. I think one of the best performances that I saw last week was Josh Jacobs. And, you know, I watched it after hearing that John Gruden compared him to Walter Payton. I thought, hold on here. Come on, John Gruden. But then when I went and watched it, um, I'm not saying he's Walter Payton, but I get what Gruden was saying because this is a player that, number one, ran like a man possessed, but he wasn't really a threat as a receiver last year. I think he had about 20 catches in this game last week, he was completely different through the air. I think they've got a multi-weaponed back who can do a lot. And I know on the flip side, you know, the Bucks last week really kept the Saints at bay with 2.4 yards per rush. That's not going to be the case this week. Las Vegas is an inviting, I think, front seven to run against. We're going to get a real instant look at where this Drew Brees storyline is in week two because it's been a big talking point all through the week about the 270 total yards of offense and uh, how Drew Brees maybe is finally getting old and all that. Well, let's see. Let's see how he looks in week two. He is on the road. You know, if you're a Saints fan, you'd rather him have a cushy home matchup. But at the same time, it's the Raiders who just gave up 30-plus points uh, to Teddy Bridgewater, Brees' old backup, and a Panthers offense, which is good, but not you know game-changing by any stretch. So I, I think that this will be a good test, and I, I do like – I like the Saints and I like Drew Brees with a bounce back week because I think he has it in him. And I like Alvin Kamara, who didn't get anything going on the ground uh, last week, but he was very active in the passing game. He's healthy, obviously. Michael Thomas is not healthy, so Kamara is going to have an even bigger role than you would even think typically. So I expect uh, one of those monster Kamara games, maybe over 200 yards total offense that type of day. Yeah, keep an eye on the on the Raiders' offensive line because John Gruden is making it clear he's a little annoyed that Trent Brown isn't staying in these games. And, and Trent Brown, to me, is kind of the key of that offensive line, almost the key of the whole offense, you know, beyond Derek Carr because they, they count on leaning on teams with that line. That's tough to do against uh, the Saints. It's a little old-school football. I like that. The Raiders are playing like 1990s, early 90s football. You got the Gruden scowls. It's it's perfect for Monday night. I mean, I, the one concern, they've, they've labeled this amazing new state and I wish we could have a full crowd there to see, you know, people coming off the strip after being there all day long, rolling into what they're calling the Death Star in a high octane format. But the Death Star was essentially blown up twice. So I, I think the messaging may, might be a little off there. I know that you guys don't get the reference, but um, it's a science fiction film from the 70s and 80s, Dan. Doesn't ring a bell. Is that the one with Jar Jar Binks? Uh, no, thankfully not. I wish that film never existed, and we've gone far too far down this wormhole as it is. For NFL football in Las Vegas. I never thought we'd live to see the day, and yet here we are. All right, time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. The draft now heads to me, and I will choose the Minnesota Vikings at Indianapolis Colts. And I love this game. In fact, what a steal for the old Zeuser here in the middle of the draft <laughs> uh, because these are two teams that, you know, fashion themselves Super Bowl contenders uh, but look nothing like that in week one. And one of these teams is going to be 0-2, and, and that will be a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, so I'm two things I'm really interested to see. One, how does the Minnesota Vikings defense look? after they just don't show up against the Packers. They did not show up in their building against Aaron Rodgers, who shredded them for over 500 yards. It could have been a 50-burger if a couple of things uh, mm. went Green Bay's way. 
Uh, that's how dominant Rodgers was. It was just pitch and catch all day long against that young secondary without Daniil Hunter. Um, there was no push uh, at the on the defensive line for the Vikings. It was just an ugly game. So Mike Zimmer is a great defensive coach. They have players on this roster. I expect a better effort here. And on the Colts side, everybody knows what happened. It was the biggest upset of week one. The, you lose to the Jaguars, who we thought were in tank for Trevor mode. And Phillip Rivers does the Rivers things, which he throws ill-advised passes, uh, allowing a, an inferior team to defeat his team. Uh, so how does he bounce back from that? This is a really interesting game. I, Dan, I'm with you. This game is that I, well, I, I'm a little annoyed because I was going to pick this. Um, you know, we do the snake draft where I go like 82 picks without, with no selections, but, um, you made, you've done a good job here. I mean, you look at that Jacksonville game and the Colts ran 20 more plays than Jacksonville, had 200 more yards. I love the idea that Jonathan Taylor is going to get a lot of work in this game. He, you know, he had a couple plays against Jacksonville, a catch and near touchdown that showed his speed. He is a phenomenal young running back. Can't wait to see him. And for me, I mean, the Vikings defense, can you handle a number one wide receiver? You had a 7-3 lead that turned into a 22-7 deficit in the blink of an eye. And that is why I do believe the Colts are a playoff team. And our producers know what's coming. I'm locking this game up. (laughs) Oh, no. He did it. Oh, my God. You hate the Vikings so much, Mark. No, I just have a feeling Greg wanted to do what I just did. That's all. And this went well, last not week, a, too. Not a ton of conviction yet. Well, you know, I, I picked the Colts to make the Super Bowl, which is a, a little outrageous because I, I know there's ghouls like Dan who just want to dig dirt on Philip. No, realists, well, not go, ghouls. Go watch, that, go watch that week one tape. Let's go see the, the deep out, the strong arm that Philip Rivers was throwing. I mean, I, I was actually encouraged by this game. When he makes some throws, it actually made me feel better that's not that you have to have a big time arm to be making these throws down the field I feel better about them I want to see their offensive line play a little better especially in short yard situation in the run game but this is the matchup to do it because you said it the Vikings defensive line didn't show up you said they have players do they at defensive tackle that's kind of the position uh that they lost the most that no one's really paying any attention to i think taylor goes up and down the field you're right i wanted to do this mark i am doing this i'm locking it up yeah i like it hey mark let's you go two and together kissing yep. cousins well, i know i it, well 2.0. now we gotta say the games ahead of time because we got the graphic and everything i had a couple that you know were a little less uh spicy this one this one felt nice Good you job, know, Greg. The, the way that Tom Coughlin uh, was loyal to Eli Manning and Giants management is the way you are to <laughs> Philip Rivers. You will always look past all the terrible things he does and say, oh, but he had one bullet pass uh, to <laughs> T.Y. Hilton with seven minutes to play in the third quarter. So his arm is still great. No, man. No, that's not going to cut it anymore. He has, He cannot do what he used to do in his heyday. Oh. And you see it with these throws that he forces into small windows. And because he mm. doesn't have the arm he did, and never was a rifle arm, it is now becoming a balloon factory uh, for the for the <laughs> Philip Rivers uh, era here in the late period here. And I, and I just think you can't ignore that. He even had a third interception that was taken off the board by a penalty. You can't ignore that he is a liability uh, at this point in his career. I don't know why. Well, the Vikings I mean, don't have C.J. Henderson, first of all, and the, and the, the Colts do. I, I'm telling you, Jonathan Taylor is going to be the guy we're talking about coming I mean, out of this game. People are very excited about he Jonathan Taylor, but people sleep a little bit on Marlon Mack, 
who was playing really well early on in that game as a receiver and as a rusher. He, he, he blows his Achilles, a terrible setback for him. So everyone says, let's slide in Jonathan Taylor. He's a superstar, maybe, but it's almost like not giving Marlon Mack the respect that he deserves no, I, as a role I like player in Mack. his offense. I like Mac. They use Naheem Hines well as well. They've, I mean, Paris Campbell's coming on. There's a lot of young guys on this offense. I think they're going to grow and get better weekly. I'm just saying that Jonathan Taylor is a big part of it now, and it's not Absolutely. a neg on Mac. It's just that I really do like what I see from Taylor. And not a neg on you, Mark Sessler. I was just pointing out more that I feel like people just brush the Mac injury under the rug, and then all the fantasy kind of heads just turn under their the rug. I mean, to yeah. the kid, you know. And, okay. You know, it was nothing personal towards you. That was the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, Mark, snakes to you. You know, I, I already know where I'm going here, and I think it says something that I'm picking one team that, um, as a Browns fan, destroyed my childhood, thanks to John Elway, and another team that continues <laughs> to destroy um, my football Sundays in the Pittsburgh Steelers. But this matchup is just a little too juicy uh, to pass up after what I saw on Monday night from both of these teams. Uh, I look at Denver, and even if they were to lose to Pittsburgh and they were 0-2 which at a time when we can write certain teams off, the way that this offense is starting to, what they're showing me and where they are right now and where they're going to be when a guy like Jerry Judy and Noah Font, but especially Jerry Judy, comes into his own, I saw a star player on Monday night. I know there were some drops, but I think we all saw the same thing, a completely different type of wide receiver who completely jumps off the page this is a tough test. Pittsburgh's defense looks absolutely uh, it's a, it's monstrous. And the front and the front Oof. and the seven and the TJ what TJ Watt can do, that to me I don't love that for Drew Locke and I don't love Denver's offensive line, but I just want to see how they handle uh the, but the strengths of both te- both teams here. And you know, Big Ben looked great. So I think we're looking at I, I wouldn't be surprised if these two met again down the road in the playoffs. I want to see where they wow. are in week 2. I really believe in Denver as a late season sort of berserker type operation. Oh, you know Mark loves the Berserkers. This this team is one that that could do it. I mean, Noah Fant's insane. I, he he just physically after the catch, he might be the guy. And Judy, I mean, he's putting people in a blender in those clips. That they should be a lot of fun to watch. But we've also never seen Drew Locke play a defense like this. That was kind of the criticism of his late season run. They certainly didn't play a great defense uh, in week one. He literally has never faced a, a scheme like this, a group of talented players like this, and teams that can blitz as much as this. So I'm really curious to see if Locke can avoid the sacks that he's been able to. Because since he's come uh, into the starting job, he is the toughest quarterback in the league to sack. I mean, he... Gets rid of the ball. Sample he avoids size. negative plays. It's one of the things that you kind of sleep on uh, on him as a young player. I'm sample size. We're doing it again with this yeah. Drew Lock stuff. I, it's it's such a small sample size. How do we know? I mean, the Tennessee Titans could not get to the quarterback uh, on Monday night. But I want to see. Let's find out about Drew Lock's ability to avoid sacks after t- uh, after Sunday. That's but this yeah, is actually man, the big, like one and, thing. And Broncos fans know that I've been kind of holding out on giving Drew Locke any type of keys to the kingdom yet. Here's the game right here. This is going to be, I believe, his seventh start. This is going to be coming off an 0-1 where his, he led his offense to 14 points and a loss in week one. And now you're pay, playing a great Pittsburgh defense. If you avoid sacks and you make plays and you keep your team in this game or you help win the game, I will, I will say, okay, John Elway made the right decision by going all in on Drew Locke. Uh, but I want to see it first because I really think Pittsburgh, even 
didn't didn't even play their A game, I didn't think, on defense against the Giants. Certainly against Saquon Barkley, they did. But Daniel Jones was able to move the ball through the air. Darius Slayton lit them up. Um, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a higher level on defense. And at home, could we could see it. I just I think you're holding out on Drew Lock just a little bit. I think we're also we look at quarterbacks a little differently, young quarterbacks. But and maybe I sign up too quickly for some of these guys. But I mean, we're still waiting for guys like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold to wake up uh, and and play consistently that way. And no one's talking about not being sold on them at some level. I mean, the, I Drew think Lock, a lot of people me, are talking about mm-hmm. not being sold on those two guys. Well, I am. No, but I'm talking about like like the idea that Drew Locke has shown a lot in a small sample know, size. Man. So why are we selling him it. down the river? It's like he has to prove himself now against the what might be the best state defense in the league. Well, yeah. I think he will. I think he's going to make plays. Of course, in, yeah, he has I to prove himself. I think he will make plays in this game. Watch what he does. I just think that right. game after game, Drew Locke is aggressive and he's got weapons around him. I mean, I I don't mm. see a lot to not like about Drew Locke. He was one of the PFF, had him as graded as one of the worst quarterbacks of week one. So there are yeah, other people he, he that has, are not seeing it. He, I, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle here. I think he's got a long way to go, but it's going to be fun to watch him. And on some level, he reminds me a little bit of Roethlisberger. Um, with his his creative ability, and that's the problem. Locke's going to have to put up points because Roethlisberger's got mismatches all over the field. I know Vic Fangio is great at coaching up cornerbacks. I mean, who else could put an undrafted guy and uh, a third rounder rookie in against Tennessee and be okay? I mean, they, I think the name what is it? Michael Ojemudia uh, Buse is his undrafted guy. It's like okay, that's great. You can coach him up as much as you want. These are mismatches against Juju and Deontay. And, and really this entire Steelers wide receiver crew. It's just hard to imagine the Steelers not putting up some points in this game as much as I respect your boy, uh, Dan, Vic Fangio. Fangio. <laughs> All right, let's move forward. And I'm not counting him out, Mark. I'm saying this is I a know. big I'm test. Not tr- I know. I, We're just parsing I will, words. But. I'm going to give, like your boy Gardner Minshew, I'm going to give you some love for your boy a little later in the show. Uh, okay. But Drew Locke, come on now. Let's see him do it mm. first. All right, I'm up next. I will go with oh this is this is a tough one uh, but I am gonna go with Rams at Eagles uh, with my next choice uh, I really liked what I saw from the Rams really all across the board in Week One Sunday night I thought that the offense uh, was fun to watch and it was clear that Sean McVay a guy that sometimes weirdly now gets overlooked as one of the great minds uh, because it's just been a narrative that played out a couple of years ago and we've moved on on some level uh, in the cognoscenti. But he still <laughs> knows how to do, uh, call plays. And you could tell he was doing things that were keeping Jared Goff in a rhythm, kept him comfortable, more short passes out of his hand, rollouts uh, to keep his uh, issues with mobility at bay, bay and concerns about the offensive line. Speaking of the offensive line, they played a lot better than they did last year, and we all were right to have concerns about the line after last season, and they still might turn out to be a liability, but they're healthy right now, and we saw that what they could do when they're healthy. And then the running game. Uh, we don't have Todd Gurley, but that didn't seem to be a problem uh, against a, a very good team in week one. So I'm really excited to see the Rams and the Eagles. They got to clean it up. They got to clean it up because that was ugly last week. Feels like one of the biggest um, games for any team is this Eagles team trying to avoid 0-2 because they're panicking uh, in Philadelphia. And with that line being banged <laughs> up, I'd be panicking a little too with Aaron Donald coming to town. I was kicking myself. After we did our Sunday night recap, um, I just couldn't believe that I didn't mention Aaron Donald, that none of us mentioned Aaron Donald. This guy is so amazing. 
that we almost take it for granted. But it's that true. performance in week one, and I know you're not supposed to take, you know, football points out of uh, hard knocks necessarily. Uh, but, but I'm going to because he was unblockable in hard knocks and he was unblockable in week one. <laughs> that was the most pressures he had in the game since 2018. And Jason Kelsey, I know he's healthy. Um, but he's getting up there in years and the, the, the guards in Philadelphia, it just, he can wreck a game all on his own. I give him the MVP from a week ago. He's the reason we're talking about the Rams offense is because Aaron Donald held that Cowboys defense down. Yeah. I, no, I'm with you. I mean, the one thing though, I, I understand that if the Eagles ever lost this, like Philly talk radio is just simply going to explode from the inside out. You know, we've seen it before. Uh, they're not happy about much, no matter what's going on in Philly. But here's the thing. I mean, when I look at Carson Wentz, I still saw him make some incredible throws in that game to Dallas Goddard, mm. to Jalen Rager. I mean, there's no questioning the arm. I think maybe a lot of misses times, too, though, Mark. Mi- no misses, misses too, too. And I think some of those eight sacks, you got, you got to look at the way that Wentz plays. And sometimes maybe another quarterback could have gotten out of some of that trouble. Um, you know, the entire ecosystem was blown up in Philly last week, thanks to Chase Young and, and the Washington defense. I mean, is that going to happen again? Aaron Donald suggests it might, but I really think Philly's going to have to come out and show something different. If you get Miles Sanders back, that helps. I mean, they just were off balance all game last week. Yeah, it's hard to say. There, that's another one of those week one things where it's like, how much do you put into it? Washington, you know, 10 weeks from now, if they're the most defensive front seven that the league has seen uh, this year. It won't seem so bad that the Eagles struggled in week one, which is a tough week historically for everyone to get on the same page on an offensive line. Or maybe, yeah, you're right. The Eagles have major issues. Wentz has got to clean it up. Was not a good game for him. A lot of those sacks were on him. A lot of missed open throws. Maybe he's just that guy. You know, I, I know the Eagles fans never want to hear it, but he reminds me a lot of, of McNair where, you know, he's a great quarterback, but he misses more gimmies than, than other great quarterback. And, and that's just been the case in, since week one of his rookie season, and, and I don't see that changing. Really. And I say this with peace and love to the people of Philadelphia because I know you're maniacs over there. Nobody's going to really feel sorry for where you are as a football fan base right now. He's still got the no. Nick Foles glory years uh, <laughs> right in your rear view. There are a lot of other fran- franchises that have nothing. They get nothing. They get squat. You had one of the best Super Bowl wins in the history of that game. So come on. Behave better, please, Philly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Mark, your pick. All right. Well, I'm going to go um, Washington and Arizona. I really enjoyed watching the Cardinals last week. And it, you know what felt good about it? It's this team that um, could have been a disappointment after being pumped up month after month in the offseason. Uh, people thinking that Kyler Murray was going to make a Lamar Jackson-type leap. I think Kyler Murray has made a leap. I mean, he played a really good game. You know, that both against the Niners, both teams got off to a slow start. But then the DeAndre Hopkins chemistry came into play. And I know we spent all summer saying they didn't practice together, didn't have a camp together. It just didn't matter. And we spent all summer saying they play four wide receiver sets left and right. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be drowned out. Well, he just did what he did in Houston in days of old. 14 catches, Mm. 151 yards. What would have been a game-winning touchdown at the end, but it was stopped at the one, sent uh, the the team in for the win right after that. I, I just think that... Cliff Kingsbury has something here. I think coaches around the league are going to start copycatting this. Now, you're playing a really interesting defense based on what we saw last week, so it's a very different challenge than what the banged-up Niners presented last Sunday. Right. The Cardinals are built, though, to stop great defensive lines. They, they did it a week ago. 
because they get rid of the ball so quick. And because Murray, most of those runs that we're seeing, those were scrambles. They weren't called runs. And it's like, there's really no great defense to stop that. Murray and, and Kenyon Drake just break your ankles. But this front line led by Chase Young ha- has a shot at least. I mean, I learned some things about Washington. I think their secondary is going to be better with Ron Rivera, who always coaches it up, and they were making plays on the ball. And I learned that Chase Young's going to be a force. We don't need to wait around, and there's not going to be any warming up. It's like, oh, he's a young pick. It's like, no, Chase Young has come to play two forced fumbles in his first game. He was the best player on that entire team in his first game. The energy that he plays with, where sometimes he's going after the quarterback that he realizes it's a screen and he runs down the running back who catches the screen. I mean, this guy, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of what I wanted out of uh, Jadevian Clowney, and I love Clowney, but to me, they uh, they remind me a little bit of each other with the energy and the strength that he plays with. Which is interesting that you mentioned Clowney because Clowney was the last guy that got as much hype entering the draft mm. uh, as Chase Young did. And yeah, like you said, Clowney has been a good but not great NFL player. But Young, yeah, right away he shows you, I am I am the man. I am going to be an absolute wrecking ball. And when you take him and add him to a defensive line that was already quality, I think it's going to be interesting to see where things shake out for Washington because if Dwayne Haskins can raise his game up and be even just like a solid game manager where they the offense – is okay uh, with a couple good weeks here and there. If the defense terrorizes quarterbacks Ooh. week after week and forces turnovers and puts other teams in difficult situations, and then you look at that division, I'm not getting uh, too ahead of myself here. But you buying some football team stock, man? You <laughs> I'm buying, buying a little bit of the stock, stock in that football team franchise because the Cowboys are known to let us down. They're already own one with a tough week two assignment. Uh, we know what's going on with the G-Men. The Eagles are a bit of a mess right now. <laughs> Don't be surprised if Washington's hanging around in the NFC East race in a couple of months because they have the pieces mm. to do it. Dan, I really like it. There's one thing that, you know, this is a completely different offense than a year ago. Under Scott Turner, the new OC, they were the seventh fastest team a week ago. And last year, you remember, I loved their games because they'd be over in about a minute and 40, an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes because they'd run the ball 60 times. They're different and they have young pieces. And I know it's going to take a little bit of time, but you're right. If they can manage to score and just, you know, consistently put some drives together, if this defense looks the way it did last week, Ron Rivera is in for an interesting first year in Washington. Mm. Dan says, don't be surprised. I mean, I'll, I'll be surprised. This, I think, yeah, their coaching's better. Man, their left tackle last week was was really struggling. They're on like their third spring left tackle. He's going to go up against Chandler Jones. I just think this offense is going to have a long way to go. So I'm not getting a little too excited. I, I am excited to see, though, that the Cardinals, as like a team that you expect to win a home game. So go, go take care of business, Cardinals. Yeah, and I also like is, you know, we cover the league uh, breathlessly, even in the offseason, and we talk about all these offseason narratives and how the season's going to shake out, and then – 90% of them seem to blow up in everyone's faces. But DeAndre Hopkins immediately being an unbelievable number one wide receiver for Kyler Murray and the missing piece in his develop, uh, next step in the Lamarian leap. Hey, that all played out exactly to plan, yep. uh, in week one. So we'll see if that continues. Listen, looks like, you know, we got all the way to week two before I messed up the order. Uh, but let's try to get back on track here. Uh, and Greg, why don't we snake it up with you? Sorry, guys. It's yeah, hard. I mean, let, let's get on track with uh, giving the uh, the Super Bowl champion MVP some respect and get him off the board now. It's it's Patrick Mahomes. Okay, it's the Chargers. 
It's uh, it's SoFi Stadium. It's the division rival that has given Mahomes the most trouble. For what it's worth, the defense did a, a pretty good job uh, against them uh, at times last year. And if Joey Bosa is healthy for this game, they, they certainly still present uh, some challenges. But I want to see if the Chiefs' approach from week one changes because they quietly were very different. Not just that they moved the ball up and down the field, but they went crazy heavy play action. Mahomes is one of the quarterbacks that they almost don't use play action at all. He's one of the only quarterbacks in the league that is has been worse on play action, which does, doesn't really make any sense. And they went wild with it against the Texans. It worked uh, to some degree. You, you know the Chargers are going to be trying to defend that pass. They have a nice defensive backfield despite the injuries. But I'm just curious if it's going to be a sea change. I think that was Andy Reid's little bid to, to surprise uh, the Texans in the week one. It worked to some degree, and, and we'll see if it'll work this week. Uh, you know, the only thing, though, and I, I know that you can't you, – injuries are injuries, but – how different would it be if this defense in this game had Derwin James? Uh, you know, they lost Drew Tranquil right. as well. They're already banged up. Uh, and I just, I, you know, I don't want to be pessimistic about the Tyrod Taylor offense. I feel like I've hit on that multiple yes, times. I will, I feel it. And, my, and this is this is a kind of thing. The, the quest with Kansas City is how do you keep up with a team that you know, even if you hold them down for two quarters, they're going to have that quarter or that spurt where they score 21 points. So I see a field goal offense with Tyrod Taylor. This is on their first four drives last week out of the gate. You'd think some of that would be scripted action where everyone knew what's coming. 58 yards over the first four drives. I mean, it just this is against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I just help me believe that this team, the way that they're constructed, I love that Anthony Lynn is sticking to his convictions. I mean, this guy wants to run the ball. He wants the quarterback to run the ball. But how do you hang in a game like this with one of the most prolific attacks we've ever experienced covering the NFL together? I don't think they can. And I wish a lot of things about 2020, but I wish SoFi Stadium for the Chargers <laughs> debut had 75,000 people in it. Maybe even they wouldn't fill that place out. Well, it would have been filled with Chiefs fans probably. But uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, a road matchup is going to phase this Chiefs offense. I think it's... I think it's building proof. I think it's almost defense proof. I think they're at that level of greatness. I, I found it interesting that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who had that big week one game, 138 yards on the ground, didn't even have a reception. It's like they have so many ways to beat you that they could put up 34 points uh, as they did against Houston in week one and feel like they're only half paying attention. Like there were – I looked this up. I asked NFL Media Research to look this up. Four teams didn't score 34 points once last year, and the Chiefs did it on like a C-minus game for them. So <laughs> I think they're just at that special level, maybe a team that comes around once every 10, 20 years, where unless you have an offense that could keep up and then get a couple big plays on defense, you're not going to beat them, and I just don't think the Chargers have the firepower. Right. I, I've picked on Lynn for this approach now, you could say they had a certain idea of how they wanted to attack the Bengals, that they can hang in a low scoring game. Prove, prove me wrong, uh, Anthony Lynn, because you're going up against the Chiefs cornerbacks. All right, can we name them here? Antonio Hamilton, Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton. These are, these are attackable guys, and you didn't see kind of the personnel or even the scheme diversity out of the Chargers that you would like to see last week was kind of less rolling the same receivers out there every snap. You're going three tight ends. Your whole offense is going deep to Mike Williams. When you do throw, like, 
Tyrod can throw it a little bit. Like I, I I'm with you guys that you got to get aggressive because that to me is is attacking the weakness of the. It's team. it's that or use your defensive line power to create turnovers. There aren't that many games where Patrick Mahomes has multiple turnovers, but there've been a couple. I mean, you could think of the Super Bowl where. Your, op- your opponent in that game had a chance. You just you have caught to cause chaos with your strength, which is Joey Bosa and, and the pe- Melvin Ingram and the people around him. But if that doesn't happen, this thing is lights out. I, I could hear our buddy Matt Money Smith, if he was uh, watching this or listening to this now, just yelling that, well, but you're not giving the Chargers defense enough credit, even without Derwin James. They have that ability. Okay, I just think the Chiefs are a one-in-a-million type team that even <laughs> if you have a – a very good defense. Uh, if you're not simply great, I don't think you're stopping them right now. Well, maybe right. maybe uh, we'll be wrong. But good thing right. is we know Matt Money Smith is not watching this or listening, so we won't have to have that conversation <laughs> with him. I'm certain. I think you're, I think you're right, Greg. Uh, it's snakes back to you. Oh, okay, you know um, the fans didn't think I was gonna go Bills Dolphins right here. They're they're saying it's a reach, Rosenthal. They're wrong. They're saying that, that you, know, you hate the Bills uh, too. Fun. That's what they say. Well, that is so not true. They, I, the Bills they are, are certain of it in Western at, New York. <laughs> I, I don't believe in Josh Allen long term. The Bills fans are coming after one week saying, you believe in him now? Yes, like, man. No. I mean, that, that game is a game we've seen out of him. I do believe in Brian Dable, though. And I do believe you can play an offense around Josh Allen's strengths, which they're no longer letting him throw the ball intermediate or deep at all because he misses. It's all short stuff. You can't do that forever, but it was working. You know, the scheme got him open. And they spent the whole offseason saying, okay, we're not going to run Josh Allen anymore. That that was such a fake out because they ran him more in that game than they ever have in terms of called design Josh Allen runs. And you know what? I love it. We, we've said on this podcast a lot that I think in a best case scenario, he's a poor man's Cam Newton. And okay. uh, that he, he that's what he looked like last week. Poor man's Cam Newton. I thought but also, if a- you're if you're the Bills, you look at what Cam Newton did to the Dolphins and the way that Cam Newton had one of his better days. And, you know, why not just do the same thing? And I think Brian Dayball doesn't get enough credit for being a really pretty creative um, offensive play caller who will switch things up. He really did down the stretch last year. He played with pace a lot um, with the Bills that helped Josh Allen. I think you're right that they're taking away some of those throws that caused him chaos a year ago. Uh, You know, Miami has way more pieces on defense than they did in 2019, but I still think they're attackable. And, I mean, if if Buffalo were to lose this game, we'd have to look at it as a thunderous upset in my book. And, I mean, to me, I've Mm. been kind of tracking Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. I think this is going to be the Zach Moss hello to the world game, where if you have him on your fantasy team, you might think, it's time to start thinking about starting this guy because he's a little bit of a red zone He's a red zone weapon, and they're going to line him up and have him score touchdowns. I was looking for the term. What's the one, Dan, about what they called uh, the one guy who was in the red zone? Vulture. The red zone vulture. If you're going to be a fantasy you know, guy suddenly, and the 180 turn from Sessler, where now he's just dropping fantasy nuggets. It's, it's really invading amazing. all of his analysis it's trashed now. It. No, I think it's, it's called crazy. versatility. It's versatility. That's what I'd like to – that's what I'd call it. I think the Dolphins are not a very good team. I think they're going to struggle this year. I think this is going to be one of many losses uh, for them. Mm. And so I don't even know what – I got to be honest. Like With the Dolphins, I don't know how invested I'm going to be in, or how excited I'm going to be turning on Game Pass until Tua gets involved with that offense. On, on the Bills side of it, I thought the Josh Allen poo-poo platter in week one was kind of fun to watch because you got it all. <laughs> I mean, you got – 
Right. You got great plays with his legs, uh, given the Jets' defense fits. You had his first 300-yard game where he was pretty accurate on uh, a fair number of throws. But then you had some hideous airmails uh, where he, they should have absolutely put away the Jets. Uh, they should have turned that game into an absolute embarrassment, uh, 40-burger style. But instead, the fourth quarter, the game is still somewhat in doubt because he puts the ball on the carpet twice. He misses a couple of open touchdown throws. So you look at the whole game, and it's like, I saw really good stuff. I saw more bad stuff. So I still feel exactly the same about Josh Allen, even after people were like, oh, yeah, he had his best passing day ever. And he didn't throw an interception. Uh, you watch that game, and it's still a guy that's a little hot and cold. So I really like them in this game. But Josh Allen, to me, is still jury out as we are in, now into year three. Right. And the, and the Dolphins' strength is in the secondary. So I don't think they'll throw it again this week. I, I This was another game, but this is my new running theme. I was going to lock this up, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know if it would be allowed. Would this game have been allowed uh, for I the lock? I think you catch some heat. I mean, I think on. it would have been Which a is, little bit of a, a ghostly visage in the mirror if you locked up. It, it's it's early Dolphins though, opponent. and um, I'm not going to totally count out the Dolphins from uh, improving. Even even though I am very confident the Bills win this game, this is a big game for the Dolphins. So Flores, the worst thing you can do is go zero and two in your division to start the year. So if they really do want to make strides, I mean, this is a big time game for the Dolphins. And conversely, Bills, if you want us to look at you as a Super Bowl contender, go take care of business. Yep. Get to 2-0. Yep. What better way to start your season if, if you schedule makers? Jets, Dolphins. Come on, Bills. Do what you got to do. All right. I am up. Let's go. Yeah, I get to watch Aaron Rodgers again on Sunday. I'll do that because hmm. I did that last week and I had the time of my life because Aaron Rodgers was a beautiful <laughs> thrower of the football and just ran that offense with great precision. So we see if that is uh, something of an anomaly and he and he goes back to being the overly cautious guy uh, that kind of gives you fits, as we saw the last two years, or if this is really going to be a thing. And it seems like the script is set up for it to, to go down again because he's at home uh, and he's against the Lions. And I don't even know where the Lions are at. This is where you really need good head coaching. I don't know if the Lions have good uh, head coaching. When you lose a game in the fashion that the Lions lost to Ugh. a division rival in week one, uh, the way they blew the lead to Mitch Trubisky, of all people, in your building, and then DeAndre Swift, this guy that you're so high on, has one of the most egregious, gnarly drops that I remember in a regular season game that literally cost his team the game. Like, how do you bounce back from that now against the defending division champion? So it's going to be gut check time in week two for the Lions, and Aaron Rodgers' show continues uh, for Green Bay. I, if I were the Lions, and if I were Daryl Bevel, I would get Swift involved right away because I think he's a key part of what you want to do on offense down down the road here in Detroit if you're going to do anything. And you got to just put that... Uh, put what happened last week into the into the rearview mirror, and I to me though it's this Lions secondary. I mean they went you know the injuries hurt them last week. They really did a good job against Mitch Trubisky the defense until the fourth quarter when somehow Mitch Trubisky like supersized and went nuts and like tore them apart. <laughs> and now you're dealing with someone that's not going to be streaky like Mitch Trubisky. Like he, he got physically got bigger. Like would I think he just supersized? Yeah, what does that mean? he just got like you know like maybe added like 25 pounds of muscle in the fourth quarter out of nowhere, like built like just, I don't know what it was made of, but 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I was watching that thing, and it just surprised me because I really was out on Mitch Trubisky, and like Oof. he he was completing some beautiful passes, but a lot of it was because Detroit is really banged up, and they're not, you know, they're mm. getting a couple people back, but they're not a lot healthier this week. So I don't like the uh, the combo there at all. Right, Jeff Okuda uh, expected to come back, but he supposedly struggled in training camp and wasn't even necessarily going to start a top five pick. Whoa! It doesn't get any uglier than that. I think if Patricia loses his job this year, I, mean, I know it's early, but man, he's zero and five against Mitch Trubisky. Does That's it get any lower than going zero and five against Trubisky and blowing a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter? I mean, I, we almost undersold what a catastrophic loss that is, and I, I'm with you. It, it this is like a week that you, you learn something about them, and look, they they can try as hard as they want, and they can coach up their offense well. Um, I think they have some advantages maybe when they run the ball. The, the Packers are a little thin right now. Kenny Clark's banged up. Their defensive line didn't look very good. So I, I think the Lions will be able to run the ball, like you said, with Swift, Mark. But you can try as hard as you want. That might be a tough one to get over. <laughs> we don't root for these things, but we do track them. In fact, we do something called the hot butt rankings uh, on uh, the Around the NFL podcast from time to time. If they can't... Find a way to win in Green Bay. The Lions would drop to 0-2. Then they're back on the road in Week 3 at Arizona. Another very tough game. Could be 0-3. Then they come home to face the Saints, one of the true juggernauts of their conference. And then the worst part, the worst part of this for Mr. Patricia, bye week. Mm. You go (laughs) 0-4 into your bye week, ownership has a... It's unfair. Motivation to make a move there. <laughs> yeah. It, it's unfair because the injuries really were key, and that includes Kenny Galladay. Like, they're just not the same offense uh, without him. They, they're leaning on Peterson, on Adrian Peterson. I mean, that kind of slipped under the radar, too. It's crazy. People are – that he came in there. This should be put on uh, Peterson's Hall of Fame plaque, that he came to practice for three days in Detroit – at age 35, and he beat out DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson in those games. I don't want to hear that those guys are banged up. They're playing. They're healthy enough to play. Adrian Peterson's just better. He justified it. He looked great. I I'm, mean, it, it's amazing. I'm West telling on myself this, here. Uh, I've never actually ago. been to Canton. Do they have plaques? I know they have the bust, of course. I yeah, mean, they, yeah. they're, they're they got, plaques they got all over the place. It's, a, it's they quite got the a plaque, set up there. And the they Pro got a, a nice little graph, I think. Unless Super I'm totally cool. misremembering and thinking about Cooperstown, but I'm pretty sure they got a nice little paragraph. <laughs> no. And that's Peterson's paragraph. That's well, I know Cooperstown. Baseball has the plaque, and then they I, have the right They got up. the plaque. They got the bust, and they got the plaque Are you underneath. You've been here, there, Mark. Greg. No. I, I mean, I've been to Canton multiple times. There's, there's a lot of plaques. There's a lot of busts. I think Greg is confusing some <laughs> you don't even some remembrances here, but that's that's fine. for some reason Greg's memory just comes in and out. For a certain, I don't know. I it's don't know why. It's just like that. My mom's like that too. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say, but uh, it's just genetic. Okay, sure. Mark, <laughs> you're up. All right. Well, I love where I'm going here. How does this game still hanging around? Carolina at Tampa Bay. A lot going okay. on here. Number one, uh, Tom Brady. Nice uh, value add week, there. You, you like the pick or you don't like it, Dan? No, it's a good value add for your roster. Yeah, I think it's, you know, yeah. I, I got the weird first overall pick, so the second time I'm picking, you're already in hot water. But I like this one. I want to see how um, Carolina responds to Tom Brady probably being very agitated about every all the talking heads, all the little chucklers saying that Tom Brady's not Tom Brady anymore. <laughs> Here's where I give him a break. P. 
PFF marked him with six big throws. That's up there among all the quarterbacks last week. Yes, I know he had the interceptions, but that was there was some communication breakdown there. Tom Brady doesn't vibe to me the same way we talk about young quarterbacks. Will that happen again? Can you? He's going to have that house in order. They're going to work on that, and you're playing a completely different defense here in Carolina. You know, I love that they drafted Derek Brown. I think he'll be a good player. He did not have a good week one. He did not make a big impact last week. They've got like seven guys on that defense that were in college a year ago. So that's going to take time. I think this is a bounce back scenario for Tampa Bay, but I like Carolina's offense because what I like about it is they didn't try to come in and the guys that were there last year and do everything differently. Christian McCaffrey was Christian McCaffrey. Matt Rule told us, you know, when he was on our show that he, he, you know, he has a relationship with Robbie Anderson. I know that Robbie Anderson doesn't know if it's a bear or a panther that's dancing that around awesome. in the end zone. I get all that. But Robbie Anderson was productive last week, and I think that he's a good part of this offense. DJ Moore was involved heavily. So I just want to see against a very good Bucks defense that shut down McCaffrey twice a year ago. Um, we saw if one they of can find a way out of this. This is an interesting matchup. I really think Carolina, I, I, probably have too much faith at this point in Matt Rule can be a little bit spicy in these types of games. I don't just give this to Tampa Bay, you know, without thinking about well, obviously, it. Obviously, Matt Rule has earned the benefit of the doubt in the NFL, so I understand that. I know you will not like him until he has maybe two or three Lombardis on a shelf somewhere, but I'm <laughs> telling nice, you. Had a nice had a nice week one. He did. Got to admit uh, that, Dan, right? Sure. They were competitive. Yeah, that was good. They're off. They're offense. He's they lost at home guy. to the Raiders, who are like an eight and eight team at best. So I'm not. I am not going to hand out any <laughs> lollipops for that. I, I'm not going to hand out lollipops quite yet for Brady um, and Arians working together, though. Too. I'm with you, Mark. Brady made a lot of good throws. He didn't play as poorly as people thought. But I think tape dogs look at what happened last week and they see. This blend of Tom Brady's offense. They ran some Patriots plays. I mean, you could mm. you could recognize them uh, with Scotty Miller and, the, and some of the tight ends. And then the Arians offense, which is just leave your five linemen up there and let your quarterback hang out for a while and take some hits. And they're going to have to figure out that mix that maybe the Arians, you know, post-game comments are a little bit about that. It's like, how are we going to win? Are we going to play your way? Are we going to play my way? These are two strong-willed guys. Mike Evans didn't know what was going on in terms of the option routes. You could tell they weren't on the same page. Like, that's going to take time. And I don't know how that plays out. It's perfect for Brady, though, that he gets this Panthers defense. And if you look ahead, they really don't have a ton of tough defensive matchups. So so that might be their number one saving grace is the schedule makers just set it up nicely for them. That, Greg, that is a great point because when you think about like when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, it wasn't, hey, great let's point. mix five different offensive schemes together. It was Peyton Manning's offense from the jump. And was is there a disservice on some level when you have Brady for probably, let's say you have him for two years, why not just give Tom Brady exactly what he's comfortable with? I mean, Arians has his offense that he's comfortable with and ran it with Big Ben and all these other guys too. But I mean, I wonder if the mishmash of these two schemes mm. is how much time until they get it right. I think you're going to see a less confused offense um, from week to week. But can you really blend these two schemes together? It does make me think, too, a tough situation for Tom Brady because Peyton Manning had the benefit of the great Adam Gase up there, and Bruce Arians is the guy down in Tampa. Uh, But no, I I totally am on board with what you guys are saying. And the other thing, when you were like setting this uh, game up, I was thinking, oh, there's no way. There's no way Tom Brady's starting 0-2. He's 
at home coming I'm with off you. Of, uh, but this, but you know what? They roll. His head coach isn't Bill Belichick anymore, and he's not Tom Brady anymore, or at least the Tom Brady uh, that you know became the greatest quarterback ever. So I think this game is dicey. I like the Bucks in this game, but Ooh. to just assume since Tom Brady is behind center that they are going to get right, uh, this could be a tough game. And I, I kid, Mark, because I know you love Matt Rule with every fiber of your being. Yes, it was a good start. They got out of the gate and they were competitive. They put up points. So this is not going to be a Panthers team uh, that uh, is going to be a, a complete team that's going to roll over for the great Tom Brady. This could be, could be a tough one for Tommy Boy. Also, where was Gronk in that offense? I know he, I think he played mm-hmm. a fair number of snaps compared to the other <laughs> didn't, tight ends, but didn't I, look great. I didn't didn't see a I mean, we'll see. He he di- wasn't moving too well. The Bucks defense, though, is why I I'm surprised you guys think this will be so feisty. Uh, I really believe in this Bucks defense being a difference maker, and and it gives Brady a nice margin for error. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. All right, Mark, snakes to you. It's snakes to me. I'm gonna go. How about, got got a lot of one o'clock games here. It's gonna be a busy Sunday. Might have to uh, fish one of these out to Luke and Colton to watch on a different television. But um, I'm going to go Giants at Bears. Good stall I'll tactic tell you why. there. That was good. What's that? Good stall tactic there. Yes, it was a stall kids, tactic. Talking about how there busy ever was Sunday one. is. Yeah, good job. <laughs> it absolutely was. <laughs> Look, we got a, list, a lot of lists here on our laptop. I, I, I loved what I saw from the Giants on Monday night. They are a very incomplete team. Mm. I'm not saying that they're a great team. I just had fun watching them. And I grew up watching the Giants, so it's really just probably more dipped in nostalgia than it is anything else. Um, you know, they were dealing with a Steelers defense that basically said, you're not going to run the ball at all tonight. Um, and everyone, you know, fantasy heads who have Saquon Barkley are like, you know, cutting off their arms and legs at this point. Well, hang around, because I think it's going to get a little <laughs> bit better. Yeah, I don't definitely love- don't cut off your appendages over your fantasy. Right. That would be an overreaction. I just want to see the growth of Daniel Jones. For as frustrated as I get by Mitch Trubisky, um, Daniel Jones makes a lot of mistakes too, all right? But for something about him, his style, his aggressive nature, his daring do, I'm all about it. I love it. And I I think that, like, (laughs) the Giants are fun. And they, you know, you look at the end of the game 19 play drive that ended in no points. All right. You want to have points. We get that. But they follow that up with a 13-play drive for 70 yards and a touchdown. I just see an offense that's going to grow as the year goes along. Do I think that Jason Garrett is the first person I'd want as my play caller? I don't know. Not head coach, but I, I, I'm, the jury's out on, on, you know, ruling against him as a play caller. I think this, I think there's a lot of weapons here. And maybe, am I, I, am I alone here? I think you guys like Daniel Jones too. I just think this matchup's interesting. I think the Giants are going to win. I've, I, I'm going to do a Greg thing here. I came very close to locking up the G-men. Um, but it Ooh, felt a little bit too, to, let's switch it. Well, switch it felt it. a little bit too like what I normally do, which is get sold into something. And then on Sunday around five o'clock California time, I'm thinking, what were you smoking back on Thursday when you made this pick on a podcast? So I'm sticking with my first lock. Well, mm. guess what? Let's bring in our great producer, Erica Tamposi, because Ricky, she has something she'd like to say. She's involved in the locks Ooh. competition this year. Okay. She got off to a tough start, I believe. I believe she is 0-1. She needs a W. You don't want to start 0-2, and, and she's got something to say. The floor is yours, Erica. Mark, I'm going to... Do your confidence for you, mm. and I am going to lock up the Giants. Love because it! Because oh, I think, you know, the the Bears really struggled last week until, you know, Trubisky G-Bow. got hot. Yeah, the, exactly. And I think 
you know, Saquon didn't get off to, to as big of a start as we expected to. And everyone talks about the Bears defense and Khalil Mack and all this and that. No, the Giants are going to take it. Watch. I would I like them to agree that the offense, you, the fact that they hung in that Steelers game, and I know that the Steelers were clearly the better team and the game was kind of decided by the time you got into the fourth quarter. The fact that Jones kept them interesting and kept the offense moving when Saquon Barkley was having a historically terrible game. There is reason to be excited. In fact, as a Jets fan, I was a little envious watching how comfortable Jones looked in the first game of his second year compared to the way Darnold looked in the first game of his third year. So Giants fans, yeah, don't despair. Now you got Ricky on your side, Mm. and I feel like now everything's fine. And how about this? How about this? You know, everyone talks about the the Giants' defense. Like, is there any kind of major – you know, stars there. They were confusing Big Ben for a lot of that game. Mm. So, uh, and Trubisky is not Big Ben. I think so. I think that they okay. were they were making they were putting a little bit more pressure on him than we would have expected the Giants to do. Okay. So Trubisky yeah. is not Big Ben. No. Okay. So no. like, imagine. No, he's not. What's going to happen? So I Mark, thought they were whatever, more professional. You're yeah, right. Whatever you were. But smoking, how about Trubisky? This, you're around. smoking it too. <laughs> Trubisky, the Giants. I thought the Giants' defense was going to get absolutely shredded by the Steelers. It didn't quite play out that way. Uh, Trubisky has a nice setup here, Greg, to uh, string together back-to-back games. Well, at least he only really played one good quarter in Week One. But the Giants' defense <laughs> should not be impossible for him to put together a few more scoring drives. Man, if you look at the Bears' schedule, they don't play any good defenses for a long time. They barely play any really good defenses all season. It is setting up for Trubisky to fool the Bears, but I don't know. He was 9 for 22 to start that game. Yeah, it's pretty he, bad. Even during that comeback, at one point he like threw the ball backwards, and if, if – um, the Lions had just fallen on it. The game was over, and that was the blooper play that everyone's talking about. So I was not at all convinced in Trubisky. I mean, every catch that uh, Miller and Allen Robinson made seemed like they were amazing catches. And uh, I thought it was interesting, if you listen to Joe Judge this week, some comments he made about Danny Dimes. Man, he loves him some Danny Dimes. He said he loved how he stands in the pocket like a man. I mean, that's a Joe Judge comment. You know, he likes <laughs> he people loves acting like a man. And and he pointed out, I think that if you look at the all-time greats, what they had around them early in his their career is a commonality. He was kind of saying, like, well, we don't really have that yet. So, like, I'm going to give this dude... Uh, a break because I think he is special. Um, and that was, it was an interesting thing for Judge to say. Like he was almost admitting that they're not there yet, but I'm with you, Ricky. I do uh, the game picks, uh, NFL.com game picks. I took the Giants too. So we're, we're all we're all on the Giants. All right. Thank you, Ricky. Great to see you. <laughs> um, all right. We move on. It comes back to me, I believe. And I will do everyone a favor. I will take the San Francisco 49ers at the Meadowlands to face the New York Jets. And, you know, this is one of those, it's turning into yet another Murphy's Law season for the Jets. In addition to having all their problems personnel-wise, head coaching-wise, now they're super banged up. Le'Veon Bell moved to injured reserve with a hamstring injury, so we won't see him till week five at the soonest. Uh, Jamison Crowder's been out of practice this week with a hamstring. And if, if, if they don't have uh, Crowder, if they don't have Bell, Who, if they don't have Denzel Mims also on IR, this idea of Sam Darnold having any chance of success, I just don't see it. And he played terribly, Darnold. 
in week one. On top of everything else, he missed throws and he did not uh, make the, the right decisions and he did the type of boneheaded uh, mistakes that need to be out of his game by now. But again, it's like I don't know how you expect him to be better when Chris Hogan is on the outside. Chris Hogan picked off off the street. Ugh. And I said before the show started today, I honestly think because I played softball with Greg a couple of years ago and he moves pretty well for a man deep into his 40s. I, I, I think that Greg would do better getting open in the slot uh, than, than Hogan could on a football field at this stage. And so the Jets offense is not going to score a lot of points. And it's a perfect setup for the Niners. Uh, who it's not easy for a West Coast team to come fly east and play an early game, which is what's happening here. But, I mean, come on, Niners. You are the defending conference champions. You got humbled a little bit in week one. And I know you're dealing with your own injury issues because your quarterback, your golden boy, Ooh. Jimmy G, uh, went up high on George Kittle and it gave him a sprained knee. So we don't know what's going on with him. Their wide receivers are still banged up, of course. But you're the Niners. You should swallow up this Jets team uh, with your defense and then make enough mm. plays, find a way on offense, and just get out of get out of Jersey with a, a 27 to 10 win and then get everything back on track. There's no excuses wow. here for the Niners. No excuses I, at all. I would like to see Greg get jammed by, at the line of scrimmage by Patrick Peterson and see how open he gets I would love that. down the field. But beyond that... I, I mean, mean, that was the nicest thing Dan's ever said to me. Yeah, that short area quickness, he's right. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be, you know, rocking those feet. I don't know what you say. You know, they, you know they're just moving quickly. No, you got it. You, you had it right when you said, I'm going to be rocking those feet. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take it away I from you, to but think, think of a different word. Oh, I God. I think this is a big game for Raheem Mostert. Like um, he had a cu- he had a couple big plays last week. They've got a lot of good backs, but what, keep it simple. I mean, you're really banged up. Uh, you know, I just if, if I'm the Niners, I'm with you, Dan. That there's no excuse not to uh, none. You know, there's no excuse. And I the one my one concern about Sam Darnold, and it's this it's it's overt and it's obvious, and it's the same concern I have about. You know, Cleveland's quarterback and a lot of young quarterbacks that get to year three, you're not seeing a lot of progress. It's just the mismanagement around him. And just I'm, I just wish we could have a cleaner look into how he's being treated week to week and coached because you really want to see growth because there are these moments from Sam Darnold and it's it's streaky. But they'll, he'll have it. Sometimes it'll be like two games in a row where everyone's back on board because he can do everything that you ask. But then it goes away, and so I think some of that is coaching, and some of that is getting, mm. you know, building confidence. Um, you know, I'm not, none of us are quarterback gurus, but you know, when you watch a player make a leap, a lot of it has to do with the ecosystem around him and the, and the coaches and the people in his ear and just the schooling going on along with the physical skills that he has. So that, the concern is the what's going here. on around Sam Darnold. And that's why I said it's Murphy's right. Law, because in addition to the questions you have and everyone has about Adam Gase and is this rebuilt offensive line going to take, then you just get the Jetsy stuff, which is Mims, Bell, and Crowder all banged up. It's like this was not a team that had depth to start with on offense, and if you take them all out of play potentially by week two, well, how do you how do you learn anything? I Right. It, it says it says everything that Hogan stepped off the street right into playing every snap. But you want to see better instincts out of Darnold. And that's and yeah, maybe his head is just scrambled. But, you know, Baldy had a great breakdown this week where he's, he's on the run on a play and he's got a receiver deep. And that's just the scramble drill. And you haven't seen Darnold create as much as you would hope when he is on the run and when things aren't going well. And then you get to the stuff that, that you mentioned, Dan, which is coaching, which is like they're taking delay of games after kickoffs. 
They were like running screens in the middle of the field with no timeouts with 20, 25 seconds left. And to me, that that is more coaching. I, you can't put that on a third-year quarterback. It's just where they don't look organized. Like you, Yeah, you want Darnold to take control of the situation, but that that's ugly, and that, that can't continue or else, yeah, we see Greg Williams as the head coach of this team. I think they got a chance in this game. I mean, let's not undersell the 49ers injuries. They're missing Richard Sherman. They might be missing a killer Weatherspoon. Uh, they're missing Ayuk right now. D. Ford looked like a shell of himself when he was on the field last week. Did not play well. Like, they, they are banged up too. So I think the Jets have a little bit of a chance here. Hmm. We'll see. All right. We have one more game, according to my calculations. And Greg, you're picking it. All right, I got the old Jaguars Titans. <laughs> kind of deserves to better be than last. in years past. Not that, yeah, maybe. It, well, the Titans to me, you know, they, they'll be a special defense um, when I see it. I don't believe that they're a difference maker on defense, and that's why I think the Jaguars, who played efficient football last week, are going to be a problem for Tennessee in this game. This. This is one of those games. Um, ooh, the Rainmaker is tempted to come out. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't while. know. Should he just do it? I guess why not? I'm just saying. I like the Jaguars to keep this game close. I, I am surprised that the Titans are being viewed as some big time juggernaut favorite in any situation. I don't think they've earned that. They're sloppy last week. They were a nine and seven team a year ago that that caught fire at the end, but on balance they were a nine and seven team. And I I think your boy uh, Mark Gardner Minshew and Jay Gruden could be a perfect pairing. They could be so good that it, it's going to make them think we should keep these two together. I loved what I saw out of them last week, and I think the offense that Gruden runs can't Minshew just be a better version of Dalton. Or, or even maybe a, a, a similar version to Cousins, but with a little more athleticism, I think he can. And I, I think this is the offense for him. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I noticed from Minshew, and it it was it was happening early last year, and you were thinking, is he just not having to think too much because he's, so, he's in there and he's so raw that a lot of times he uses feet to turn a negative play into a positive? I think it's a legit trait of his. And, you know, I know that if you look at that game, Part of it is that Philip Rivers um, is accountable for throwing two interceptions pretty deep in Jaguars territory. So two of those, you know, the scoring, some of the scoring for Jacksonville was short field stuff. But the 19 to 20 isn't because, you know, Minshew was some sort of gunslinger, you know, whipping the ball downfield. I think he's well coached by Gruden. And Wes said it on the, on our Sunday night show that he, he, he took what they gave on defense. And I'm with you that Tennessee is not imposing their will necessarily yet on that side of the ball. So Jacksonville in general kind of, James Robinson ran well. This is one of the first, one yeah. of the few rookies, undrafted rookies to ever start week one in NFL lore. And he looked pretty good. he was good. the first, right? Was he the first? I mean, it's like, Maybe. that's, it's, it's, it surprises me he that, that it's that looked rare. better than Leonard Fournette. He did. And I was going to say one Leonard thing Fournette. about Fournette. I think that like, you know, people were killing Jacksonville for the Fournette pick flaming out and it did. But here's the thing. I think that removing Fournette opens up that offense to what it can be. I'm not saying that they're all there, but it was addition by subtraction. And Robinson doesn't need to do what Fournette did in some games of old. He's a good piece in there. And I got like, C.J. Henderson on defense. I just the, the whole Ooh. tank thing. There are some young players on this team in general that give you a little bit of hope. I'm not saying that this regime should be around to do it for the fifth time, but they're not the worst team in the NFL at this point. They don't look like it. I, Mark, I have something to say. I, you know, I was been I've been a little slow to come around on Minshew, 
Part of that was, as you like to say, Twitter middle school was a little bit annoying, quite frankly, last year. And the, the love affair with all the moxie and the the do-rag and the hair split down the middle and the mustache element of uh, Gardner Minshew. And we look past what was a pretty hot and cold first season. But I love uh, the, and- the Andy Dalton uh, mentioned there and the fact that it connects directly to Jake Rudin, who used to co- coach Dalton. I feel like for me personally, I'm raising the bar up for Minshew as just this novelty guy to someone that has like a Dalton type ceiling now. And I know that ceiling's probably not a Super Bowl ceiling, but a guy that w- in the right setup with the right coaching, uh, he plays differently than Dalton did. And he certainly has more charisma than mm. Dalton did. So he's more exciting. And that's why he's a huge <laughs> fan favorite. Uh, but he's a guy that you could win games with. And it, it's not just this fluke about the way he looks and the things he says and the soundbite. So I I was really into the way he played, and he and I think it's sustainable with Jay Gruden there. Uh, not 19 for 20 every week, but I'm, I get it. If you're a Jaguars fan watching that game, it's like, oh, yeah, forget about this tank for Trevor thing. Let's see how this plays out with Mean Shoe. Well, and, I, and so the Minshewians, Dan, uh, we'll take what we can get, and I, and I honestly appreciate that. That's an honest appraisal. And the, here's the thing. If you're Gardner Minshew, I see a guy that clearly is putting in the work. It's not just, hey, I'm running around in a cutoff shirt and a bandana and my hair is flowing. I, I see someone that has learned a new offense quickly and, you know, really last year probably didn't expect to play at all and was learning on the fly. So I'm with you that I'm not saying he's, you know, Brett Favre mm. or something, but Andy Dalton, and he's just a little spicier and more interesting than Andy Dalton. It's hard not to be. Um, so well, I like the whole combination. A lot more. A lot more. <laughs> <laughs> a right. lot more spicy Dan, you mentioned, than dear old Andy. Right. You mentioned he might not have, like, if Dalton's a ceiling, which seems fair. I think Dalton's had a, a really solid career, um, but maybe not a Super Bowl. I, my favorite take I think I've seen all year, if like if we had a segment take of the week, uh, I'd give it to Mike Renner of PFF who said that the Jaguars could have won the Super Bowl with Minshew in 2017. And I thought about it and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I really think they could have. I really think they could have. Um, right. And and we didn't we touched on this, obviously, on the Tuesday podcast, the when we recapped the Titans wild win over the Broncos. Steven Gaskowski is still on this team. He's still the kicker yeah. of the Titans. Mike Vrabel got behind him, and that only lasts as long as week two lasts and, and how he kicks in that game because if he struggles again, and I mean misses one kick from inside you know, 47 yards, it's probably going to be a he-gone situation to use a Wesling-ism. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, while we're here and talking about kickers, uh, and I'm going to invite you guys in, although you're not, professional place kickers into the kickers club. Come on in. It's a closed door meeting. We're closing the door of the club. We're putting the velvet ropes up. No one's allowed in. And I just want to say I'm disappointed in all you guys. I know you're better than this. You know you're better than this. I mean, week one was an absolute travesty. I have some numbers. 19 field goals missed. Five missed PATs. Packers Vikings was the only game that didn't feature a missed kick. The only game? Are you kidding me? 71.6% field goal percentage. The lowest since week one, 1998. The most misses in almost a decade. That That's the, you know, everyone else is in a pandemic and, and there's no tackling and there's no practices. And, and they were able to get on the field in week one and deliver. Your kickers, 
your Damn. kickers. I, well, you I had mean, all the time to practice, and you, all you needed was the uprights, and that's how you show up in week one. You come into the kicker club, you come with your head held high, but you also better come prepared, and you weren't ready in week one. This meeting's over, but I do not want to have this conversation mm. again in week two. Well, I think it's a good, it's a good message. They need a stern talking to. But Dan, you, you know, the kicking in general kind of has gone south since you, you know, you raised the fountain, you, you, you've, you created this club. It's a vibrant, um, lively night spot for kickers to hang out. Are they hanging out at the club too much? Are they there too late? Are are, are their bodies in shape? You know, pre-club, uh, we didn't have these issues. So I, you know, just, it's, it's a factor. Well, plus we we have a we have a raging pandemic. Maybe we open that club up a little too early. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we have a lot of we have contact tracing. We have those wristbands that makes everyone stay there. six I mean, feet I'm, apart. I'm not into that. <laughs> well, you were just um, in there, Greg. So you have whatever they had. <laughs> all right. So there you go. That is the full week two preview slate. Make sure to check out the Thursday night recap. Of, Browns, Bengals, Mark. Obviously, we're taping this before that happens. That's why he seems okay right now and that catatonic. And then come back on Sunday for the recap of the full uh, slate of games that we just previewed right here on the Around the NFL podcast uh, flagship show. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood from West Hollywood. Until Sunday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap, fresh, green, Irish shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.